listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 495. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our journey with the Netflix series 1899. We are entering the back nine. Uh, if you like golf references, actually, it's the back back four. Four. Yeah, but, yeah I, mean, <laughs> I feel you. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, we talked about the news last week that it did not get renewed for a season two. And I haven't really read anything about whether or not they're shopping it around to another streaming service. I would suspect they are unless the two of them, Baron Bo Odar and Yante Frisia, already have their next project underway and they're shopping that. So who knows? You know, sometimes news out of Europe regarding television that has become ubiquitous internationally and certainly in the states seems to be really uh, few and far between i you know fred if if you're listening to this part of the podcast which i suspect you are uh, maybe you can let us know whether you have access to more news i i just can't imagine that's the case you know i mean with this thing called the internet but right i don't know but uh we'll report it if we hear it or when we hear it or Whatever. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> so, all right. So Basically, we had a, don't uh, rely on us to be any sowers of like breaking news, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, so we had a rather quiet weekend with the uh, Ravens game that basically didn't mean anything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was interesting to watch there for a while. I even went into the kitchen a few times. My wife's like, aren't you going to pause it? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know how it's going to yeah. turn out. Yeah. I've seen this one before. Yeah, no so, doubt. But, uh, yeah, you know what, I actually, I, I, I am actually optimistic about uh, their chances in Cincinnati this weekend. I might be the only person in the world who is, but I, I feel like, uh, like uh, a, a sense of maybe unrealistic optimism. So, Well, if number eight plays, yeah, I'm well, with you, but yeah, I'm knows? not sure about that. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, all right, let's get to uh, sci-fi and genre stuff, uh, what we're watching have you started Alice in Borderland yet? Not yet. This okay. is uh, this is one of those times when there's a, a bunch of shows get released at the same time that I want to watch, and so I'm just kind of doing one at a time right now. Okay, I'm at halfway through season, uh, halfway through episode seven of eight in season two, and you know it's kind of different than season one. I mean, you know, it's the, the same elements of the game playing you know uh, is still there but we see a lot more of the human side flashbacks to their previous lives so it's pretty cool I, I guess i'm still wondering whether or not we're going to get an answer to what the hell happened where are they so to this point we still don't have an answer which is fine also checked out a netflix series called treason which was just like five episodes spy espionage series that was uh, pretty darn good i really enjoyed that and then for your non-genre fare i i have to believe i mentioned season one a year or two ago when it appeared on netflix season two of Ginny and georgia just dropped oh i do netflix. remember you talking about that and if you want something i don't want to say it's light i mean it's definitely a comedy but there are some pretty hard-hitting issues, particularly with the teenagers in the show, 
that are difficult to miss and and sometimes even difficult to watch. But uh, you know, the, the basic premise is that Georgia is a 30-year-old mother with a 15-year-old daughter, and I guess he's about, I don't know, eight or nine-year-old son. The two children have different fathers, neither of which is in the picture at this point, although the girl's father uh, is kind of in the picture, but he's a nomadic photographer and all of that. But it's just really good. I mean, family drama doesn't quite cut it, but the 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 fact that this mother is kind of willing to do whatever it takes to give her children a life that she never had, and yeah, because obviously she had her daughter at age fifteen, and she was basically on her own <laughs> at that point. So uh, anyway, I, I'll stop there. I don't want to start throwing spoilers out there but i i would just say watch episode one of season one we were ready to watch season two and my wife's like well do you remember what happened i'm like well yeah i do but if you want to rewatch season one well you don't want to i'm like i'm happy <laughs> so anyway we're we're rewatching season one that's cool and it's and it's great yeah. so uh, okay. anyway what do you got well a couple of weeks ago, I had mentioned uh, I'd watched like the first two episodes of National Treasure: Edge of History, and I was kind of lukewarm about it. I am uh, slightly more warmish about it um, after you know. I, I, I actually did not watch it again for like a couple of weeks, so I had to go back and watch like the last three episodes or something. You know, and they were they're pretty good. Like, I, I, I still hold to what I said before that, you know, like something like National Treasure it works really, really good as a movie, but I don't know. It, it seems like they're, you know, kind of fishing for plot in the extended uh, format of the television show. But they did bring back uh, one of the characters from, well, they actually, they, um, Harvey Keitel is in the, the first episode, uh, so they bring his character back then, and then uh, Justin Bartha is Riley Poole, uh, makes an appearance, I think in episode four. So it's, I, I don't think that's a spoiler because they actually set that up like in the previous episode, like they mentioned him, you know, he's, you know, they, they met, like one of the other characters mentioned that he has a podcast. It's just like, okay, you know, we're definitely going to see Riley. So that was great to see that. Um, so just, I guess that, uh, kind of nostalgic factor i like it but it's it actually is a pretty good show and you know gives you kind of the same excitement of the the hunt and the chase and figuring out puzzles of course almost everything in it is absolutely ludicrous but so it was in the uh in the national treasure movies too and i love those movies but you know like i didn't no one thinks there's actually a map on the back of the declaration of independence you know um, just as, you know, like in the one that turns out that a big part of this mystery is in Graceland, locked up in a secret vault. It's like, come on. <laughs> you know, like, and, you know, maybe there is some super secret vault in Graceland that holds some secret to buried treasure, but, you know, I kind of doubt it. But, yeah, I mean, I can go with the uh, secret book that's in the Library of Congress or wherever it was. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, um, I guess that was in the first movie. That was no, the second one. Remember. Second yeah. movie, okay. 
Yeah, right. It, you know, and like I'm I'm okay with that. I I will accept a lot of the ridiculous stuff. I will accept that Nicolas Cage could be leaving Independence Hall. Well, not Nicolas Cage. What was it? The two characters, uh, Riley and uh, could leave Independence Hall and be in Chinatown in Philadelphia like a couple minutes later. Um, you know, like no. <laughs> but yeah, but again. Uh, I, I accept it. It's part of the ride. It's part of the fun of it. The, the TV show, I'm just saying, they might be pushing it a little bit of, of my, uh, you know, putting aside my skepticism. But, you know, it's, but it is enjoyable and it's fun. And, and the actors are really good. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, sh- it could be on the, the CW with, you know, getting young, good looking actors and actresses to play their, their roles and everything. So it was cool. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. I'd like to see it if I I don't think I have whatever service Disney it's Plus. on. Yeah. So Well, anyway, if you right. get Disney Plus, you can get caught up on all the Marvel movies you're behind on. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get to 1899 episode 5 of season 1 titled The Calling, written by Yante Frisia and Juliana Lima Dane, directed as always by Baron Bo Odar. The season released November 17th, 2022. So I'll ask you in a second your initial feelings. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll hear Fred's feedback. Well, and, I can and tell got... you now my grade for this. Okay. I give this a W for WTF. Okay. And now is that in a good way or? <laughs> uh, in a mixed way. Mostly okay. in a good way, I think. But it, okay. But, but some mixed feelings of it. But overall, uh, I thought – it was a pretty good episode. I, you know, I would be lying if I said I wasn't a little after the previous one, you know, like kind of like being really jazzed about that one. And then this one was still like a lot of stuff is happening kind of, but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Let's just talk through it. Uh, okay, okay. I think I just and, need to process, Dave. Uh, okay. And I mean, Fred mentions the pacing and the lack of, clarity about a lot of things so you know we'll, we'll talk about that when we listen to fred's feedback and we'll uh, uh talk about it during the discussion but j- just a few things to throw out there initially the cross that mara sees in her vision you know which appears to be in this field uh contrasted with crester's cross not exactly sure if there's any connection between the two but but certainly that was something that that caught my attention right well while, while we're talking about like so the first time she sees the cross in like her quote-unquote dream i mean i don't even know if we can call them dreams now I, I have no idea but we'll just for the for the lack of a better you know nomenclature let's call it a dream and the, the cross says wake up now, clearly it's a grave marker right uh, yeah and it says wake up then the second time when she goes through there by climbing through the tunnel or the 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 access port that's beneath her room and she goes to the same place she walks towards that same cross but i don't at least i didn't see did you catch what was written on it did you see anything written on it i don't think there was anything written on it this time all right now i think one of the differences is the first time we saw her do that she was wearing that hospital gown i think or whatever this time she's wearing the dress that right she's she's wearing so are we supposed to 
you know, think that that's perhaps a difference why we don't see the words wake up on there. You know what? I mean, obviously with the, uh, the, the, what's probably a grave marker, dude, they're probably all in purgatory. Oh, wait, wrong show. Stop it. Mind. For, forget it. I'm Just sorry. stop it. Um, <laughs> well, we, we hear mention of the creator once the boy finally talks. And I think at this point, I guess we have to assume that Mara's father might be the creator. I, I mean, certainly we get that ending shot in his office where, um, okay, this is not 1899 technology. No. Uh, now it's not 2020 technology either. Uh, you know, one of the things I was uh, pointing out to my wife, you, you can see like he, he has these big computers in the background with, uh, I don't even know if you remember them with, uh, I guess they were probably in 2001, a space odyssey where there are these big tape reels yeah, yeah. that are, they're probably like 12 inches in diameter and you can see those in the background. So that's kind of circa, 1960s 1970s technology we see those phones on his desk as as well as other right well which you also pointed out with like the video monitors right they're not like modern flat screen monitors right they're they're more like dare i say out of graceland um (laughs) there you go um and like the remote control that daniel has also is you know does not look Mo- you know, it's very modern for 1899, but not modern for 2021. All right. And or the first mate has right. one, too. Sorry. Right. The first mate has one as well. Right. right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we kind of know that he's clearly involved to some extent with a link to the future if or whatever it is. I whatever mean, you know, whether yeah. right, whether time travel is still an issue or whatever's going on, we're, we're still not sure. Hence, I return to my grade of W because by the end of this, I have like, you know, you think they answered questions, but I don't think they really did. They've just raised like a ton of questions. I have absolutely, like Fred was talking about, I have no clue at this point at all what's going on. Well, I I feel like that piece of information that, it could be a social or behavioral experiment on the part of her father, who's always been interested in the brain, right. you know, as she mentioned. So I think well, if like we look what at it, social experiment, can you climb into a hole under your bed, uh, go through a door in the side of a ship and come out into a, on dry land of a place that you've been to before? Well, of course, and it does seem, I mean, we've only seen the, I'm calling them the tiled shafts, uh, Mara and Ike, and each seems to be specific to the person. So we don't necessarily know whether there's one of these openings in everybody's room and that we just haven't seen them yet. So, so we don't really know what the deal is there, but in terms of a social experiment, it's to see how people deal with trauma from their past, you know, not, not to mention what happens in this episode, which I think goes at least for me into the possibility of a social or behavioral experiment. I mean, we get that siren that sounds and clearly triggers 
a significant portion of the passengers to head onto the deck and then throw themselves over. Well, that wasn't the siren didn't do that. It was like the ticking after the siren. Well, yeah, but the siren was, oh, well, okay. Well, I guess the siren was stage one yeah. then, which got them going. Well, probably and the is like, for those in the know, like a go lock yourself in your room, tie yourself up somewhere siren. And then, well, okay. you know, to warn the people who, who involved in the experiment and uh, then, you know, as soon as it's done, then the ticking that caused everyone to jump overboard. Well, right. And, and then we get to that list of passengers that we can just call the unaffected, which includes Ike, Mara, and Daniel. The French connection, Lucien, Clemence, Jerome. Nice. I like how you did Ling, that. Yeah. <laughs> Ling Yi and Olek. Tove, her mother and her father. Yeah. Mrs. Wilson, who has a close call, so not sure what to make of that. She was ready to go over the go over the edge. Uh, Franz and the first mate, Angel and Ramiro, the boy, of course, and then that dude in the boiler room that whacks Daniel yeah. with the shovel. So I don't know that there's anybody else that's unaffected. So of the characters that we've kind of gotten to know. Ling Yi's mother throws herself over. Yeah. Crester. Crester gone. Gone. And the ship's crew, yeah. for the most part. To be fair, we never really got to know them very well. So we're not well, that's true. Very so, emotionally, we're not nearly as emotionally affected by their jumping over as we are by Ling Yi's mother and by Crester. Right. So then when we go back to Mara's. Uh, theory that this could be a social or behavioral experiment on the part of her father did these people have something implanted in them i mean we know that he he seems to be in a future setting we don't necessarily know how far in the future but something triggers them that doesn't trigger the others right so you know, in, in terms of what we learn, well, well also the, the, the ones that survive are the ones that were able to either barricade themselves or tie themselves up as well. Cause we see, you know, it isn't until the ticking stops that they're able to, you know, free themselves. So I don't know if it, it was necessarily that they were unaffected. They clearly were at first. Um, but then I think Ramiro, someone says that he thinks it's contagious, you know, Right, um, right. And we certainly see that with at least the mother, right, who is trying to, you know, actively trying to break free from her her bindings. Uh, I don't know if any of the others were like that. So, so I'm not 100% sure, uh, even though I watched it twice, I, I'm still not 100% sure if it was just that they were straight up immune to whatever it was or that they were just immune enough that they could tie themselves up before – you know, they started giving into their, you know, lemming-like uh, instincts. Okay. See, I guess I, I'm going from the standpoint that they were totally unaffected because they didn't, you know, at least none of them seemed to make a move towards, you right. know, going down to the hallway and doing the zombie walk. Right. So um, I, I'm just going by that they were unaffected and are part of this experiment, even though they don't know they're part of this experiment. So, 
you know, I guess I'll just leave it at that. Um, and, uh, you know, the opening scene where, where we see Mara wearing that hospital gown, you know, we, we talked about it in a minute. She sees wake up written on the cross. And, and if we've dealt with her telling various characters to wake up in virtually every episode. So, you know, that that message there, like you said at the top of the discussion, is this some sort of a dream? It doesn't really seem like a dream, but for lack of a better label. Right. Well, at first I was like, okay, well, Maura is here. Who's going to tell her to wake up? And the answer to that is she still tells herself to wake up. Right. Right. And then, um, you know, we see her being restrained by the orderlies, strapped in the chair. And, and then and, and, and later when we see her and we see her look at her own risks, uh, wrists and it, it appears the bruising has increased so yeah right right yeah they're they're fresh right so was that a psychosomatic effect or when she went through that tunnel did she really get restrained we assume once again and dude the other thing is you know when we were kids and you know we always dreaded going to the doctor to get shots yes because the needles seemed like the size of number two pencils yeah and you know now it's like oh, you can't even feel a needle when you when you get right. a shot. Like, I, I I wonder when I get a shot now because it's still you still can't help but feel that little sense of fear when you see that shot heading towards you, even though you know it's not good. But they must have been bigger because those things hurt like hell when we were kids. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> they're definitely bigger. And and and, and so what I'm pointing out, obviously, that that we can see the needles they're yeah. using to inject. That is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But and we've seen that before. Like that's like the first like montage we got with Mora was that exact I think probably the exact same shot uh, to I'm sorry, like shots of her getting strapped down and then the big needle and then she wakes up. Yeah, and and she's back to the present sitting on the floor next to Daniel who tells her she fell asleep, which I think we kind of know is not really true <laughs> again we're not sure know. yeah right it could be but we find out that the others have locked the boy back in the cabinet which you know on the one hand it's kind of understandable like ike tells her dude he went over the edge yeah. into the ocean <laughs> and here he is perfectly fine yeah so you know this might be the the wise thing to do until we figure out what the heck is going on here. Well, and, and, you know, so, and then one of many parallels to the Prometheus, right? Because that is how he was locked up on the Prometheus, right? He was inside the cabinet with a, a bar jammed into b- between the handles. Sure. Right. So, you know, history repeating itself. Yeah, it seems to be because, and, and we know the ship's, at least we've been led to believe that the ships are more or less identical. Right. So yeah, I can't remember whether the Olympia, which was, I believe Titanic sister ship. I don't know if that was identical, but anyway, close enough. We've got once again to deal with Tove's mother who, despite Franz seemingly in charge, it's kind of Tove's mother who, 
you know, has that little mini speech where we're not going to surrender, even though nobody knows what the hell she's saying other than, uh, you know, some of the other Danes, but that, you know, she's got her gun. They're not going to surrender. And then we get the scene with Tove where he confront or where, where she confronts Crestor about what happened to Ada. And she says the words that we've known since we met the mother that, God's not speaking to her. Yeah. She's, you know, schizophrenic or, you know, suffering from some other mental illness. Right. And has Crestor never considered that possibility? Well, I mean, he, I, I, we only assume that he has, but again, Crestor is so motivated by pleasing his mother that, you know, it's, it's like, not even something that he really countenances. Yeah. And and when when they confront each other about the events and, and she points out that you helped her kill that boy and he's like, well, you've killed as well. And she says that was different. And it goes back, at least for me, a, a, as a possibility, we haven't seen the father of her child. Right. So yes, he could be still back in Denmark, but we don't get that idea from some little comments her mother's made. It just seems to me the possibilities are either she is pregnant out of wedlock or she was raped. And once he points out that his sister has killed as well, and she says, well, that was different. I'm wondering, well, are they running because she killed her rapist somehow? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it could be. I, I assume we're going to get a, a Tove, uh, you know, backstory montage maybe at the beginning of the next episode or something. But you feel like we're going to, you know, they've been teasing us with that for a couple weeks now. It's probably um, high time that they actually, you know, gave us a little glimpse into what's going on with her. Yeah. Now, the other thing I find funny, and, and I guess I'm kind of going chronologically, you know, a lot of times I try to group the discussion based on, you know, the little, I didn't stories. realize there's any order at all to what we talked about. <laughs> Occasionally there is. Um, but that little Derringer that Lucien's yeah. mean, dude, right. Get that out of here, man. I, I what mean, you can do with that. As, what you, yeah. Like really? Exactly. But he's holding that little Derringer and Clemence, kind of an emotional scene between the two of them because as we've said it doesn't seem as if their marriage is anything but a marriage of convenience and and it does seem as if she's the one that comes from money and has basically lied his way into this position and of course we we know about what he did to jerome back when they were in the french foreign legion and, and she says so it was all a lie did you did you ever even love me and he gives that thing oh i wish to god i didn't let you know shut yeah, up. Right. you know you, you don't love her you, him, you're right because i don't believe him he, he loves what her title i she doesn't have a title well, well, you know, she might but honestly, i don't know if i don't like i don't know if i don't believe him but okay. it's still weak, you know? Yeah. Like, it's just like this whole, oh, woe is me. I can't even love you. Like, or I love you, but I can't. I don't know. It's just like, dude, come on. 
know? okay. like I, I get of course he he feels he's gonna die pretty much any day now right like not literally not it could be years from now like he's expecting to be dead within as in his words days or weeks so you know again far be it for me to judge someone with like something like that hanging over his head but still man you're married to a beautiful woman like if you love her then love her man don't be such a douche yeah, no, no kidding. And, and and I talked last time about whether or not uh, epilepsy was a fatal condition. And, and Taltos posted an article in the Facebook group that seems to imply that it can be, but it doesn't seem as if it would be like what he's purporting to be that, you know, I know I'm going to die rather and maybe I didn't read the article carefully enough, but it seemed to be that the article was, is more like a, a sudden occurrence that it, it right. isn't like, like really easy to predict. Right, like you choke on something or, or you, like something falls on you or something, you know, like as you're having like a, a seizure, um, something happens in there. But, you know, yeah, because I read a little bit about it and, um, you know, it didn't seem like it's like, oh, you got epilepsy. Well, you got about three months, buddy, you know. Uh, yep. It's not like that, but things can certainly happen uh, when you have epilepsy, and especially during a, a seizure, because it is like, you know, your brain is just kind of like going haywire. Um, actually, I shouldn't talk like I know what I'm talking about because I don't, but, <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, like things can happen during a, your a sister's seizure. a doctor, right? <laughs> My sister's a doctor. Not, she doesn't even play one on TV. She actually is a doctor. Um, so, but anyway, yes, so you, you can die of it, but it doesn't seem like it's something that, you know, is something that will kill you within a predetermined set of time. You know? so, did you not let her know that she's our medical consultant? I should, mm-hmm. I should let her know. I'll, I'll send her an email. Yeah, I'll send her a text and say, Hey, <laughs> okay. um, but we'll give her, to- we'll give her a, a segment like, uh, like Fred's at the end, maybe. There you go. Um, so Tove makes the decision to switch to team normal and we then get, I don't, I, for lack of a better term, I mean, our, our sci-fi moment because Mara can't take the boys banging anymore, which of course we heard back on Prometheus, as you said a few minutes ago, she goes to release him as the guns are trained on her. I'm like, you're not going to shoot her. Right. Well, I can't remember if I, I think we know who. I, I don't know who that guy was. Maybe we don't know. He's just a red shirt. Right. But Daniel jumps in front of her in the classic, you know, sci-fi slow motion, you know, uh, matrix kind of visual. And then time just stops. Yeah. I would like to say Daniel does a crap job of jumping in front of her because he doesn't like the bullet is way past. Right. Well, right, but it stops, and then she kind of picks it out of the air. So time has stopped for everybody except Mara and the boy. And there seems to be, at first I thought it was some sort of a force field that Daniel activated. But upon further viewings, I'm not sure about that. So is there something else at play? Does the boy do it? I mean, we don't know what the hell that pyramid does. So I don't know, but I don't know. That was a a pretty big deal for me in, in this episode. Again, I'm not sure what it tells us. It, okay, fine. It it raises more questions than answers, but I guess yes and no. So 
mostly no, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> to, be, well, to be fair. I, I, yeah. It, it's, it's one of a number of things that happens in here that's like, well, that's very interesting. But what the heck does it mean? Right. You know? and, and is that what triggers the siren that starts blaring as the boy leads her down the corridor? Because the two seem to be, you know, pretty uh, close in, in time. And that's when we see most of the first class passengers exiting their room. They're sort of in a trance and, and, and we're not sure. But um, we, we get down to the boiler. And, and I think we talked about this last week that uh, Franz doesn't really have a plan. Or if he has a plan, it's a crap plan. It is plan. a horrible, yes. horrible plan. And Ike tells them, well, they've been running at full power. They're going to run out of coal. Yeah. And then we're going to be dead in the water, you know, dead in the water in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. So, you know, we need to take back control, Daniel says. And, and like, OK, that's cool. All right. Let's let's, you know, have a little gunfight uh, here or, or whatever is going to happen. And then, you know, the loud clicking that, that you mentioned starts yeah. and uh, most in the group just drop their guns. And they walk out yeah. as if in a trance. So so it's like they weren't affected by the siren the way a lot of the first class passengers were. So yeah, again, there's gotta be something in these people or something that made them susceptible. So I don't know what it would be. The question I mean, is, do you, will we, will we find out? Well, right. Will we find out? In the next out? three episodes. And I'd say maybe. Yeah. I mean, and it seems unlikely that they all were in some sort of a situation where they were, able to have something implanted in them without their knowledge that seems to be well stretching i'm just saying Dave, believability in a show where you can as i said crawl under the floor of your room in a ship in the middle of the ocean go through a tunnel that is at best five yards long and come out onto dry land yeah that leaves open a lot of possibilities well, it does. It does. Absolutely. Which, which again, um, like if, if, she, if stuff like that could happen, like I returned to my grade of WTF, like you could do anything and any crazy stuff because this is, we are, you know, we, it seems like we are well outside of the physical laws of the universe here. Yeah. Well, that's what we like, isn't it? I mean, well, you know, yes and no. Okay. We want we want to have some of the laws right, apply, right? Okay. Or we want to the ones that we half remember from like science in seventh grade. We want to be, <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, I, I was a little bit surprised that Lingy's mother throws herself over the edge, and I guess at that point we're thinking like, all right, so they're willing to kill off some of the major characters, such as as she is and and then crester who i i gotta be honest i suspect you feel the same gets what he deserves yeah. so uh you know well, well i mean he threw, yeah. he threw the boy over well, he not knowing the boy was going to come back he just he led well he gave him up yeah, 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 right, yeah, yeah right so um so you know we'll see but but then mara takes the boy into her cabin and it's like oh Dude's finally going to communicate. Okay, written word. 
that's cool. So yeah. he he can write. He could have done that. Like I mean, this is like epi- literally episode five, bro. Right. So we know he must be English because he's writing in English. Although we certainly know that many Europeans, including Fred and and uh, uh, who we'll get to in a, in a little while, uh, certainly are conversant in English. So the one thing we know, if he like spoke any other language, we would know that he's not American, though. So he says they are listening. And then he whispers, I can't tell you, you'll have to ask the creator. So, I mean, I get what Fred's saying when he, when he mentions the pace being slow. I guess I just don't agree because I feel like you know, that whole force field thing, again, fine, I don't know what it is. I don't know who activated, how it was activated, but... Uh, you know, I, I suspect we'll find out. I mean, maybe not. You know, now the fact that the boy does speak, I, I mean, we didn't know right. th- whether he possessed language or what but, his yeah, deal was. All I'm saying is that he goes from, like, not saying a thing for four episodes to being like a little chatterbox. All sudden, <laughs> right. you know? Like, all of a sudden, he won't shut up. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, it's like, if, if they were going to have him have the ability to communicate, you think, like... Out of all the times people have said, tell me what's going on and everything, he just stands there frowning. It's like, Well, right, but more to the point, and I agree with you, he knows what's going on. Yeah. And and I, I think we've suspected all along, Daniel knows a lot more than he's saying, and we know that the boy and Daniel have some sort of a connection. We see the first mate sending another message yeah, via the little sure. – triangle control things as people keep jumping but you know that that whole idea of a behavioral experiment well suddenly there's an attempt to made to prevent people from getting up on deck so you know could that be part of the experiment seeing how people react will you try to help your fellow man and woman or will you just be out for yourself and you know, while it's it's futile to a large extent, you know, I, I think the uh, you know the the attempt is made, and then of course we get that great scene with Olick and Ling Yi embracing, yeah. and it's like, yeah, okay, right. we're shipping There's you a too, bit, right? Big time, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Well, that that happened ages ago, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, you know, Mara, and I think you mentioned this before already that you know Mara doubts whether they're actually dead, and I can kind of roll with that, especially again at this point. Who knows? Yeah, they jumped off the side of a ship, but you know. So did the so did the boy. So did the boy, right? All of that, we, we very much. Which then, I guess maybe you know, detracts a little bit from the emotional um, power of you know Ling Yi seeing her mother uh, jump over the side and and Crestor's father trying to get to him before Crestor jumps over, which are pretty. Heartbreaking scenes, but if then we realize that this might either a all be happening in their heads, or it's just an experiment, they're not really dead. You know, it maybe detracts from the emotional aspect of that a little bit. Well, well, of course it does, and and you know they certainly haven't reappeared by the end of the episode. So I guess we'll see if if there's any movement in in that regard in in episode six, but. The boy moves Mara's bed, revealing the trap door, tells her, don't be afraid. He's got the little beetle. Did you know that the beetle opens doors, unlocks doors? 
Um, I believe I did know that day. Okay, that could be, yeah, okay. <laughs> so he crawls through, she follows, finds herself in the field like we mentioned earlier. It's uh, This time there's nothing written on the cross. She's in her, her regular clothes. But then, you know, again, it's kind of a huge narrative detail, at least for me, is that Daniel runs down the hallway, sees the open passage, yeah, F. he says he says drops the f bomb. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, you know, first of all, I loved his escape. He does the kind of the two slow steps back and then darts down the uh, the uh, the hallway, which we pretty much have seen every. It's kind of like the weak willed baddies uh, escape route, you know. Like, you know, is Daniel a baddie? Like, I don't know. Like, he says he's trying to stop the whatever is going on. Uh, he talks about like, it's like he's going to start all over again or something like that. You know? Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. He, he uses that his handheld device to open the portal. I guess he didn't have a beetle in his pocket this time, but he sees the boy in the field. You shouldn't have done that. It knows we're here now. And then the boy tells him, well, we've never made it this far. Maybe it'll work this time. And I can't remember if we've, thrown the possibility out there that it's almost as if they're in a, in a game, video right, game in a video game right yeah and that they've made it to a level that they've never made it to before well that is definitely the suggestion on the part of the boy right like right i, I mean like when he says that i'm like oh well God, that would seem to indicate they're inside the game then right and then the boy tells daniel she didn't remember this time so that Clearly, the three of them have or need to work together to reach whatever the next level is. Um, they need to clear the game. No, no, wait. That's the other show. That's uh, Alice in Borderland. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, what's the deal? And and then he tells the boy, I need you to stay here. I got to go do something. I'll find you. I promise. So, I, again, we know they know, but we don't know what they know. <laughs> Right. So, right. I mean, they've given us a little bit. And for me, that's okay. And fine, we know we're not getting a season two. So is this going to be one of these shows that the season finale can function as a series finale? I seriously doubt that's going to be Because it has to. And, and, you know, so I guess we'll see. Jerome, I, you know, again, it goes back to social experiment jerome bursts into lucienne's room grabs the gun and of course they think he's going to harm them but you know he tells her tie him up and i love the fact that she doesn't even she immediately goes to start tying him up not you know why not well he's my husband nope she just ties him yeah but then it becomes clear that he's trying to save them and and that's not surprising i think what we know of jerome that that he would try Right, and, and and this attempt is which all the characters who survive, I think, pretty much do. It's just like the from straight out of the Odyssey, right? Yeah, um, right. Strap yourself to the to the mast, right. so you know. So the I mean, sirens don't. Yeah, yeah. Tales of Brave Ulysses. Right. So. Who, did, who did that? What's that song from? Oh, dude, you're not old enough. Cream. I'm sorry. Yeah. Tales of Brave Ulysses from Disraeli Gears. No, um, I apologize. Anyway, that's okay. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we get the new telephone, uh, telephone, telegraph message, sync ship, which one? 
Yeah, well, because, there's only one now. Well, right, right. But they're not, they're not, uh, so he's pretty unambiguous this time around. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, we, we get the scene where Daniel's down trying to do whatever. I guess he's trying to stop the game if it's in fact a game. If I don't turn that thing off, everything will start again. So then we're back to, well, are we in some kind of a time loop? So, you know, we've got time travel, time loop, video game, you know, it's all in their head or, I mean, there's so many possibilities. Yeah. So I can but, but, see where, I mean, you're, you're, you totally, I mean, that is so telling that, that line that it's going to start again. Like, okay, well then it really does seem we're in some kind of, of loop or a recurring, if it's an experiment, a recurring that they just, they run through it. They set it up again. They run through it. Let's see how far they get this time, right? Well, right. And that it also then kind of lends credence to the video game model because, you know, as I've said a number of times, the only video game I play is a racing car simulation. So, yeah, I'm fine. I can drive these cars literally at 220 miles an hour. Right. And when I crash, then I just hit the restart button. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, I'm fine. So... Is there a reset? Is that what he's talking about? And for whatever reason, they've gotten uh, further than they've ever gotten. So we don't want to reset. <laughs> I guess let's see if we can keep keep going to what the next level or whatever. Right, because that's the worst when you run out of lives. You got to start all over again, right? Like, right. So you want to be able to save at this level. And and continue before having to go back and, and start from the previous level or whatever. All right. And then Mara finds herself back in, you know, that mental hospital. We see the mental health on the on the door. Room one oh one one again. And her father appears and he says, Where is it? Where did you hide it? All right. So we don't know what it is. Uh we've mentioned uh, you know about whether or not her father is the creator uh the boy tells her they're listening so you know so now we know that that there's something that mara has that her father wants and the fact that he doesn't know where it is uh, that's a pretty lame creator i mean come on i mean aren't most creators omnipotent so well, yeah, we get a feeling. I mean, how do we know that they're not, you know? Well, well, well right, true. So, you know, the f- the fact is he, she's, or at least he thinks she's hidden something, but of course she doesn't remember as, I think it's the boy that tells Daniel rather than uh, the other way around. Now, you mentioned her telling herself to wake up, and now she finds herself back on the bed in her stateroom ike is beside him you know you really feel for ike yeah in this episode because we know the trauma he's dealing with over the deaths of his children and his wife and now as captain of this ship he's got all this this weirdness going on and it's almost like he wants to grab her by the shoulders and and you know he he doesn't because he's not that kind of man but wants to know what the hell is going on. And she's trying to explain that the boy stopped time. And then that reveal that, no, my name's, you know, not what you think it is. It's actually Singleton. 
it's my father that bought the ships. And this is where she reveals that she thinks it might be an experiment because he doesn't have any interest in ships. And it goes back to what we learned earlier that they're not really carrying any cargo. They're not really, you know, all of the cabins aren't occupied. They're not really making any money. In fact, they may be losing money. So, you know, you know, I mean, now things like this are, are starting to be revealed and she's convinced he did something to study the passengers. And, and she's like, okay, um, she sees that beetle and captures it. And then, you know, uses the beetle to open the portal goes through. And, and of course he follows. So they're in his room, I think at this point. Yep. Right. So, so now it's his house in the distance. How does a whole landscape fit inside a ship? They're in, yeah. Is a key question, dude. Right. <laughs> Even better. How do yep. multiple landscapes fit inside? Yes, the ship? right. And, and, and she tells him that there's one of these tiled shafts under my bed as well. And you know, f- for that matter, as we said, there there could be there could be more. But yeah, I guess we kind him, of assume that like out of the people who survived, maybe each of them has their own little right portal or whatever. Yeah, and I guess on the one hand, you'd think like, well, it's kind of surprising that that Mara hasn't made more of a move to, you know, look in other passengers' staterooms or even having them look. But I guess given everything that's been happening at, at uh, Seafred, the pace is pretty quick here. She hasn't had a chance. Right. Well, uh, yeah, and I, I, I definitely disagree with the, the – I, I mean, agree with the, at first. The first three episodes were really slow. But I think now the pace, it might even be the opposite problem where it's going so fast and they're throwing so much stuff at us. But then again, I mean, the the frustration that Fred talks about is real though, that, you know, like there's just throwing all kinds of stuff at us and we don't really know what's going on here. Well, yeah, and that's true. And, you know, you you go back to dark and, and you know, Fred mentions dark. And I mean, how, how can we not still think about dark? I mean, a different story and... I mean, we certainly get some answers, and and I think we at least feel like we have our feet on the ground in dark pretty early on that, okay, we know we're dealing with time travel. We figure out pretty early on that, you know, the, the different passages lead to specific years in the past or in the future. So, you know, in, in that regard, you know, I think it's easier to navigate everything that's going on but but here she tells ike that her father made me think i was a patient i think i was a doctor which you know given everything we've seen out of her i would suspect that as well that that you know yes she was a doctor but then he pulls out the the page and i'm not sure why he didn't doesn't bring this up before but i think i was captain on prometheus Right, which which makes his little holier than thou self righteous uh, stance that he took in the previous episode a little hard to swallow. This time, it's like you know, he's like, "Why is your name on here?" and everything. It's like, well, right? Why is your name on there? You know, if you can answer the question about why your name is on there, it's probably she can answer why her name is on there. You know? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it certainly just adds to you know the the issues he's having trying to figure out what's going on on this ship 
which he apparently is the captain of, at least in this iteration. Now, I don't know that he's thinking about it in terms of a time loop or, or parallel universe or, or, you know, multiverse or whatever, but he's just, this seems to imply that I was captain on Prometheus. Now I'm captain uh, on Kerberos. What the hell's going on? So uh, nobody remembers being on Prometheus, but there it is. And then uh, Daniel apparently gets done whatever he wanted to get done at the panel. People seem to stop jumping. And we get Mrs. Wilson, who's about to jump, I just had one of the strangest dreams, <laughs> which then made me think of uh, the Bob Newhart episode that you right. uh, mentioned a couple weeks back. So I think that might even be what he says, right? Or I think it's something along those lines. Something yeah. like that. And then, uh, yeah. And then when they're talking about sinking the ship, I don't think they mean Prometheus. And then, of course, we get the great another great musical uh interlude black sabbath the yes. wizard i think they mean us and then uh yeah it's, that's that yeah. keeps playing and then you think that's going to be it and we're waiting for the credits to pop up but no then we get into the interior of a large office we see those modern phones on the desk electronics in the room like i was mentioning before some dude comes in with a message from kerberos tell him he doesn't have much more time I'm assuming the reference is to the first mate as to who right. he is. He's the one communicating with him, right? Right, right, right. He needs to bring me the boy. And yeah, so yeah, this is the one thing I can latch on to. Okay, a, 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 a baddie who's trying to snatch a kid. All right, this I understand. I've seen that before. Okay, that now I, I got at least a little bit. But the rest of it, forget it. Yep. Um, and, and we do notice, you know, not only the the, uh, the phones, the electronics, you see uh, modern computer paper. Now, now not, com- you know, not like laser printer we use now, but that, uh, uh, God, I can't the remember. Dot the matrix. Dot matrix, yep. right, where it have the stuff on the edge. So we see that. So, you know, we're thinking like, all right, well, we've got to at least be the 80s probably in terms of uh-huh. that kind of a technology. Mars' father opens a curtain, reveals a large pyramid in the distance. So I'll quote you at the beginning, WTF. (laughs) Right, right. So What's going um, on? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. know. And this last scene just compounds everything. Well, yeah, I mean, I I think it it certainly lends credence to the theory that her father is the creator because he does seem to be – operating things from sure. this command center. And they call it the Kerberos Project, too. So, I mean, right. like, or Project Kerberos. So, an alert from Project Kerberos. So, right. Um, you know, uh, we, the, obviously, we, which we suspected before, that there's something being manipulated here um, and that the people on the ship are the ones being manipulated, whether it's, and again, it seems increasingly like in some kind of situation of a um, of an experiment of some sort. But other than that, like, 
Yeah. I don't know. Well, well, we got a lot of possibilities. Yeah. So, so uh, look, well, well, one thing like yeah. we didn't mention last time, I, I meant to talk, was the, the guys down in, in the, the coal room, the boiler room. I think they call them stoke workers or something, if that is what the, um, the subtitle said when, when he spoke. So I, I would disagree with Fred that there's no moments of levity because we get last episode with, you know, um, I can't remember the one guy who has the garlic around him and he's, you know, saying how the gar you know, the other guy's like, well, why do you have garlic? Well, because there, there's wolves. And, it's, and he's like, no, the garlic saves you from vampires and neither of them exist. So, you know, like, but that was like a pretty funny interchange between those two now the one the, the guy with the garlic um jumps over the side so the garlic did not save him from whatever um though this idea of of wolves of of predators being in control here uh, the the guy that's what he says he calls daniel a wolf before he you know cracks him over the back with the, the shovel um so you know, there, there's there's something to that. You know, I don't know. I, I just as we were talking, I looked at the, so the room number one zero one one. Well, is that that's like binary, right? Well, yeah, it could be. Um, so that's okay. like I, I don't really know what binary is or coding is, but I know you use ones and zeros. So uh, I think that is also telling that her room number is. Uh, a, just is made up of one, a, you know ones and the zero. So, um, but like I said, I have that that's about where my knowledge of all that ends. So I don't know what that means. Her brother's name is Kieran, an Irish name, just like her, Mara, uh, an Irish name. And uh, you know, earlier someone asked her if she were Irish, and she took umbrage to that. But you know, it certainly seems like. And, and again, I don't know. If that's significant, like right now, like like so many other things, like is that significant? Is that important? Is that get us anywhere closer to what's going on? I have no idea. It's just something I noticed. One zero one one apparently is thirteen in binary. Okay, and then there's something that pops up uh, about gray code G R A Y, but I'll have to look that up later. Okay. Yeah, that. Uh I don't. I don't know. I don't know what any of that. Means. <laughs> so that that glitchy stuff that was happening when they grabbed her like the second time, like she you know, she sees her dad, um, or she goes to the room one zero one one and the chair is in there, and then she sees her dad and he asks her where did you hide it, and then people, guys grab her, and it's like like glitching like a you know like a like a video that's that's glitching. Or something like that. So again, this, you know, obviously the tech, there's, there's technology at work here that is well past 1899. Um, so, you know, is it a, a modern ish day setting that in actuality, when they're putting these people into a situation, they're able to like wipe their minds and make them think that they actually live in 1899 or something like that? I, I don't know. But right now, I mean, Daniel's got like a high tech flashlight. Um, you know, where, right. where we see him. Um, and then I, I did look up uh, this past week that apparently battery operated portable flashlights started around 1899. 
So, you know, we right. see some of the, you know, but people. The guy who works in the, you know, down below shoveling coal has obviously never seen one before because he's like, what is that? Well, right. But that was the high tech kind. Right. You know, where it had that kind of white light yeah, yeah, that yeah. we see now. Yeah. So and that was, you know, again, I know they didn't necessarily play it for laughs, but it is a kind of slight moment of levity. He's like, what is that? And then he pulls out the remote control. He's like, what is that? You know, yeah, right. you know so it's just uh, for, for someone to, we see these anachronisms and it, it means doesn't really hit with us except for just, oh, well, that wouldn't have been around 1899. But to see someone to, to see something like that, he's just like, you know, literally, what is that? Like, what the heck is that thing? Uh, that was kind of funny. You know, I know we like to tend to think of like heavy metal as being like, you know, this thing devoid from the roots of rock and roll. But when you hear a song like The Wizard, you really understand the the, the blues origins in in rock and roll and a lot, a lot of Led Zeppelin stuff too. Um, so anyway, just a, a cool song. Love uh, Black Sabbath. Uh, they're a fabulous band. And they once again kill it with the uh, the song at the end. Yep. So, all right, well, let's get to listener feedback. And we have a new contributor, Suzanne from Germany, who checks in via email and says, Dear Dave and Wayne, first of all, Happy New Year to you guys. May it be a good year for podcasting and with great TV and movies, in particular with regard to the sci-fi genre, which I love the most. I discovered your podcast in November when I was watching the weekly episode of Peripheral, and was looking for podcast coverage on the show. Voila, there you were. I very much enjoyed your discussions on each episode of The Peripheral, so thanks for that. Now, since 1899 has been a show I'd been anticipating for years, and which I then binged on its release date, I was very happy to see you started discussing that show as well. And I've now only today learned the news about 1899 being canceled and, and beyond gutted. I can tell you, so frustrating. I'm tempted to cancel my Netflix subscription. Honestly, I thought that with Netflix, Baron Bo Odar and Yante Frisia would have a good partner for years to come to realize hopefully many great projects. And I'm curious if you'll speak about your reaction and feelings on that news on your next episode or episode four of 1899. And I hope you'll continue discussing the show nonetheless. And, and yeah, she got her, her feedback in after we had recorded episode four. So, uh, did you, did you say anything about it being canceled, Dave? I can't remember. Yeah. Don't you remember the like, <laughs> drop <laughs> three or five F bombs? Oh, okay. Uh, now I remember. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, as mentioned, I am German and yes, this is really my last name. Please spare me any jokes about a German with that name. I've heard them all. Believe me. And I'll admit, I usually avoid German TV because it's mostly crap, sorry to say. But I am a huge, I'll capitalize, understatement right there, fan of Dark. Which is why after finishing that show, I had been looking forward to the next project of the showrunners so much. And which is why the news from today hit me really hard. I, for one, enjoy 1899 a lot. Since I've enjoyed your podcast so much so far... I went back to your dark coverage and now also listening to those episodes. It's cool hearing you talk about this beloved show. doesn't matter that these episodes are a bit older. I agree, Suzanne. We, 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 dark will always have a very special place in our hearts, for sure. 
Um, after that, I think we'll also listen to your Fringe episodes. That's a great call. Uh, because this is also one of my all-time fave shows, and I really like your style of talking and exchanging thoughts as well as your sense of humor. Well, she's clearly talking about me there, Dave, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I was going to yeah, say. Right. <laughs> and I am curious which other shows you will be covering in the future. Well, actually, so are we. And we'll also <laughs> check out which other shows you are talking about in the past. Nobody I know is that into sci-fi, so I'm always eager to get recommendations from other sci-fi fans, fans out there for what to watch. Yeah, Suzanne, if there's anything you'll learn about us is that we leave to the last possible second making a decision about what we're going to do next but we have talked about doing season two of fringe you know if we get to a point where we're just not sure what to do that um you know we certainly enjoyed talking about season one yeah and i mean both like fringe like suzanne like fringe is one of my all-time favorites i think that's also the case with you that and that l word show Lastly, I also enjoy listening to Fred, a great fan of yours and fun to listen to. Uh, you know I live in a big city not too far from the Dutch border, and since the Dutch apparently love to flood our inner city for shopping, I get to hear a lot of Dutch while outside. Haha. <laughs> I just listened to Fred's comment in one of your dark episodes on how different Germans and Dutch are uh, regarding their houses and how viewable, is that a word? It is. Uh, they are due to curtains and blinds or the lack thereof, and that was so funny because it's so true. I'm always WTFing about how the Dutch don't seem to care that they make it pretty easy for crazy stalkers with their houses being so easy to watch for everybody. Anyway, sorry for the side note. It was just so funny how that is always what I bring up when asked about differences between Germans and Dutch. And this was what Fred mentioned in connection with the houses in Winden. Oh, and of course, I hope he will feel better soon. He really sounded very sick last time. Poor him. That's it. I hope it's not too long to read for you, but I wanted to contact you, say thank you, and I'm looking forward to any future or past podcast episode I will listen to from Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for your great work, guys. All the best, Suzanne. Well, Suzanne, thank you. That was awesome feedback. Um, I don't think I'll be able to get back upstairs because my head and ego will be so swollen now, but uh, it's uh, fabulous. Thank you for the kind words. Yep. So, uh, you know, you, you can check out the website, sci-fi TV rewatch.podbean.com. If you haven't already, and there's a drop down menu at the top, that'll show you all the shows we've covered through the years and, you know, the t- shows that we've covered the entire run anyway, whatever. But yes, thank you as well, Suzanne. All right. Well, let's hear what Fred's got for us this week and we will be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for 1899 Season 1, Episode 5. After this feedback, I possibly get excommunicated from this podcast because this episode is B- again, or actually I wanted to give a C+. But there are some good things in it. And as Wayne, last week... I really got the idea, okay, now they got it, now it gets better, and it's down the drain again. Also, my wife said, the pace is so slow. Okay, we could see a little bit more, it was not that dark from the lightning, but the mystery here is, well, at the end we get some idea, but everything is so unclear, if I I shouldn't, Compare this to Dark, I was always triggered by the things that happened, tried to puzzle, look for details, uh, made screenshots, etc. 
Here it's a complete blur what is happening. And okay, we do get some hints, but those are so weird that you just don't get it. And as I said before, you really can have some question marks. Of course, you must. There can be a mystery. But if it's too much that you really are doubting, what am I watching here? Then it's no good. And it's not the the general population demeanor, whatever, or an elite meaning. I actually want to turn it around, Dave. So if I don't understand this series... I'm not belonging to the elite that can understand this. I think I can throw my associate professorship down the drain. And I have to say, I am actually happy that this series got cancelled. Or it should get much, much better in the last few episodes. Because I'm not looking forward to do and watch this for a second season. If it keeps going on like this. So... Now you have enough reason to excommunicate me. I really doubt the critically acclaimed quality of 1899. Of course, the critics are quite positive. But if you compare it on IMTB, for instance, Dark had 8.7, judged by 400,000 people. And of course, you can doubt the value of IMDb votes. But on the other hand, you have to be a member to vote, so you have to do a little extra effort. It's not just not clicking. So you must be interested in movies and series, etc. to vote on IMDb. 1899 gets a 7.4 by 80,000 people. So that's one-fifth. But if you look at the separate episodes, they get in the range between eight and eight and a half. But because the series has ended and people have judged the series as a whole, it just gets much less than Dark. And Dark really was a challenging series. So people could judge it as too difficult, uh, too complex, etc, etc. Obviously not. And I think that's the difference between Dark and this. This is just, at least for the first five episodes, too mysterious, too... Yeah, you really get lost. (laughs) to use another term okay getting into the episode the boy talks i hadn't expected he ever would talk and it becomes clear that the first officer as well as daniel have a connection to mora's dad he obviously steers the whole thing here and has some technology which is quite advanced for 1899 But as you said in the last podcast, some video-like things were already there in 1930. So could be 30 years earlier as well with some person in science, whatever. And it didn't get really for a broader public until much later. I thought I know this guy who played Mora's father, and actually he is in Andor, also quite a strict and bossy role as a high-up empire commander. The actor's name is Anton Lesser. He also played eight episodes in The Crown and 22 in The Game of Thrones, and five in Primaval, a series you podcasted about That were the church bells. Obviously, the pastor was not hanged by his church bell rope. 
One remark my wife made, she said, nothing in this series so far is funny. There is nothing a bit lighter, a bit funnier. Everything is depressing and dark. And I thought about it, and I think that's true. You were talking last podcast about Tova's child could be out of wedlock. I think you're right, because if you listen to what Cresser and Tove discuss, is that they both obviously killed somebody. Well, that could be the father of the child. I think this series is very genre or very supernatural, or it's all just a kind of dream or psychological experiment. I think the most obvious if you see the scene with Mora's father. Okay, that will be all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Wow, almost a C plus. Yeah, but well, Fred, we do, do, Fred, Fred's a pretty harsh grader. You know, he has to deal with all those university kids all the time, probably frustrating, and so you know, like he's got to be tough on them. You know, your his, his harder grading is going to make better students. So yeah, so I guess we shouldn't tell him we're we're going to do Alice in Borderland next because I know he was psyched for that. We're just kidding you, Fred. Um, I, I am enjoying the show. But yeah, well, you know. Like, yeah, you never you know. You never know. But, I, you know, I get Fred's thinking, what am I watching here and, and how that can be problematic. But on the other hand, you know, I, I'm watching, again, Alice in Borderland and I'm thinking, oh, what am I really watching here? Right. I mean, yes, on the one level, the, they have to play these games to survive, but it's got to be more than that. And I'm nearing the end of the second season, and I'm not sure I'm any closer to really knowing, but it doesn't impede my you know, enjoyment of the show. So well, I don't know. Here's what, and I thought this kind of listening to Fred's feedback uh, earlier today, I think knowing that this is it, like increases the amount of frustration with not knowing what's going on because we realize we we can't say well they'll they'll sort it out in season two or season three you know we know that that's not going to happen we know well i don't know but i'm about 98 percent sure that this season's going to end and we really will have no idea what's going on well not i shouldn't say no idea but there's going to be a lot of questions still and those questions are just never going to be answered. And that is, you know, Suzanne expressed it too. It's just so super frustrating, you know, for you know, a fan. And, and like, you know, Netflix put these shows. I don't want to go into Netflix now. But, but I'm just saying, they put these shows out there. They get us invested. They get us interested. And then they just rip them out from under us. And that sucks. Yeah. I mean, if you want to air these kinds of shows, then you got to make more of a commitment than one season. So again, we, we don't want to keep, you know, we, we did this last week, so uh, we'll leave it there. But Fred, no, we're not going to excommunicate you. Um, you know, might have you, you know, say a few Hail Marys or yeah, whatever. We, we don't really have that, that power. Well, either. that's, that's a good point. We don't. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. But, I know. Like uh, if only, right. Yeah. Um, all right. Any, anything else about Fred's feedback? Um, I think we just said that there is actually some lighthearted stuff in in, yeah. in 1899. I don't remember a lot of it in Dark, though, either. I don't remember there being much funny stuff, though. Although I guess there was every now and then a little bit. But, you know, I, I don't think that they're, they're, they're gearing just for some elite and, and that they're, you know, only a small cabal of people can understand what's going on. 
I'm pretty sure no one at this point <laughs> that, you know, understands what's really what's going on. We have some thoughts, but we, uh, we have no idea. And I think they, they purposely did it like that, you know? Um, yeah. Unfortunately, like I said, I just were never going to get the payoff for it. So. Uh, we'll see. Now, Suzanne, it seemed to imply she's watched the whole season, so she's probably sitting on her couch listening to us thinking like, ah, oh, you two dopes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway. All right. Well, I'm going A minus. I almost want to go A, but I'll go A minus, I guess. I, I, I'm comfortable with an A minus. Okay. I mean, I feel like there were enough reveals that, even though we don't necessarily understand how they fit into the big picture, they're still there and, and difficult to ignore. Now, I guess you could argue, well, you can't just start throwing stuff out and seeing what sticks. Right. I mean, of course, there, which could, there could be an argument made that that's exactly what they're doing in this episode. Yeah. But if, if it wasn't for dark, you, you know, I, I yeah, might but, think but that dark didn't really, I mean, dark threw stuff out there, but I don't know if there was any one episode we just threw out so much crazy crap. Oh yeah, at but that's what I'm time. saying. Because we know Yante Frisia and Baron Bo Odar. Uh, I mean, not personally, but um, yeah. I, I guess I so still if, have you know, faith. You guys want to give us a call? You know, we'll, that, we'll talk to you anytime. Yep. So uh, <laughs> anyway, Suzanne, Fred, thank you so much for the feedback. Um, yeah, so we got three episodes to go. I guess we'll see. You know how much. They wrap it all up and it's one coherent narrative and we end up happy and satisfied with the ending. So, uh, and speaking of happy and satisfied, hopefully when we record next week, we will be happy and satisfied with the outcome of the Sunday night game. But uh, that'll do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about 1899, the peripheral, anything going on in your genre world. Check out the Facebook group if you haven't already. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. We'll be back next week to talk about episode six of the Netflix series 1899. But until then. So I don't I don't know if we have ever thought of like coming up with like a motto for the podcast, you know, or something like that. But I know um, one phrase that we have that we can maybe make like our anti-motto or the phrase that will never ever be our motto. And that is they are listening.